Beware of the blob, it creeps and leaps and glides and slides across the floor. Right through the door and all around the wall. A splotch, a blotch, be careful of the blob. Hello and welcome to Lost in Sci-Fi and Fantasy. I'm your host, Leo, and today we are talking The Blob. So I literally just watched it. This is the 1950s The Blob, um, to uh, get that out of the way. Uh, I just finished watching it not too long ago. It was like, like at most 30 minutes ago. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I, I want to talk about it. This is... Well, so I've, I'm launching this podcast in October. October's the spooky month, and I, I can't launch it without at least doing one horror movie before Halloween. And then on Halloween, since Halloween's on a Monday this year, uh, a big old spooky episode for Halloween itself. So this one is the launch spooky-ish kind of episode. And then next week... On that Monday, I will be doing The Thing from Another World and The Thing. Double bill, comparison kind of deal, and just just talking. Just talking about those two movies. But that's not what we're here for today. Today, or at least this episode, <laughs> is The Blob, 1950s. 1950... what was it? 1958. Now, some fair warning before we dig into it. This movie is very 50s. Like, very 50s. <laughs> it's kind of a, a big generalization. It's like, well, yeah, it released in 1958. Of course, it's very 50s. But it's one of those movies that... Every other movie that parodies like a 1950s horror movie, this is pretty much what it's parodying. This is where all of those like ridiculous scenarios, like this this movie exemplifies them all. It's kind of ridiculous when you watch it. Um, that being said, also just kind of keep in mind again it's the 50s, so there's a lot of questionable character moments but it was the 50s sadly uh but anyway <laughs> now that that's out of the way let's kind of get into the meat of it so the first thing that hit me about this movie uh was the theme song uh, you will have heard a clip clip it of it at the beginning of this it's an amazing theme song. I absolutely love it. It's absolutely hilarious and kills the mood immediately. <laughs> because, like, I was I was expecting when I sat down, I was like, okay, you know, it's 1950s horror, so I'm expecting some cheese, but I'm expecting, you know, it to be serious. And then it just comes out with this swinging tune, like, yeah, get ready for some blobby fun. Let's go. And it's like, wait, what? Then the second thing that hit me is that as this jaunty, lovely tunes playing, you get slapped by... Like, I didn't know Steve McQueen was in this film. Like, boom. First billing, Steve McQueen. I'm like, 
Oh, okay. Huh. That's a that's a big name. I didn't know that he was in The Blob. Uh and the sad thing is that his character in the movie's name is just Steve. So that must have been a very easy day for him. <laughs> they just called him Steve and it just worked out. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean he does an okay job in in this film. So it, the movie opens up, as you may expect from a 1950s horror movie, uh, with a guy and a gal out in the woods, kind of in a lookout point, uh, making out. They, she kind of gets, you know, a bit uncomfortable. And then he does not help his situation by pretty much implying that he has brought multiple girls here by saying that he hasn't brought multiple girls here. Because <laughs> he he's pretty much says that he comes up there all the time to look for shooting stars. That's why they were there. For shooting stars. Not to make out. For shooting stars. And she's kind of disappointed because they've only seen one shooting star. Um, and he's like, oh, you know, the, there's plenty. Like, I've seen them. I've, I'm always out here. I've seen them a lot. Kind of implying that he's been out there with multiple girls. Uh, but he keeps trying to reassure her that not, it, it's, it, no, that's not the case. But hey, don't worry, the drama's covered up by, well, it at first sounded like a, like a, a firecracker or a firework being shot off. It makes that like whistly sound, but instead it's, it's supposed to be a, a meteorite, you know, crashing to to the earth. They see that and they go to investigate. Cut to an old man doing old man stuff in the woods. Uh, he goes to investigate because he lives nearby and comes across the rock, which splits open, revealing a little gooey, a little gooey ball. Something that I did find interesting. One, I was surprised that this movie was in color. I, at, at first, I was like, okay, you know, the intro sequence is in color, but maybe the rest of the film will be, you know, black and white. And then when I saw that there was a thing saying color by studio um, in the credits, I was like, oh, okay, so maybe the blob's in color? Because I do remember, like, a, a description in the, like, when you read the description, it was saying that the, the blob was red. So I was like, oh, maybe, like, Everything's black and white, but the blob, only the blob is red. Uh, no. <laughs> no, the entire movie's just in color. I was a little bit disappointed by that. But it, it looks nice. Um, the blob actually does not start out red. The blob becomes red after it starts eating people. Which I find is, a, it was a nice detail. But it, it latches onto this old man's hand. And he, he's in agony. Cut back to our intrepid couple. Uh, trying to investigate the crash site. Uh, but they couldn't find it. So, so he's like, oh, oh well. So they, they turn to leave. And as they get um, going, the old man kind of pops out of the woods. Screaming in agony. They stop uh, to see what's wrong with him and go ahead, and he begs them to get him to a hospital 
or to a doctor. And they agree, load them up in their car, drive off to uh, a doctor. A, a doctor that's office is just like, it looks like a house, but it's an office, I guess. It's, it's very odd. It's probably like a 1950s thing, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just weird to not see, like, a, a hospital, an emergency room, where this old man has this goop, like, stuck to his hand. Um, so he takes them to the doctor, who's about to pack up and leave, and he leaves a little note on the window. That note's important, kind of. Uh, <laughs> but... He takes the old man in, sets him up on a table, looks at the hand, and sees, like, the goos, like, all over his hand. So, he sends the kids off to go see if he has, like, you know, any relatives or something to let them know, or to, to find out what happened, what, what's, up, what's up with the goo. Um, so, they go to do that, but... As it turns out, on their way to bring the old man over, they passed um, some guys, which I guess are his friends. Um, it, it doesn't imply that at the beginning, but he passes them. So they start loitering around his car, saying like, oh, you know, you passed the tramp and whatnot. So he gets sidetracked by this random side quest from... What I was expecting was just 1950s bullies, but I guess they were his friends. Uh, the guy says, hey, I could beat you backwards. So Steve's like, fine, let's do it backwards then. So they start racing in reverse down a street past a cop. And the cop pulls him over, though he stops. Steve stopped for some reason. I don't know why. Um, the cop comes to Steve and is like, hey, what what the hell? <laughs> Steve tries to lie through his teeth but doesn't do well. Comes to an agreement with the cop. Cop lets him go. Then, then Steve remembers, oh yeah, we were supposed to go check on the old guy's potential family that might not, might know what happened to him. So, him and now his friends go investigate. All they find is the old man's dog. Because I guess the old man lived alone and just had a dog. After that, they decide to go back to the dock. And, you know, see what's up with the old man. Let the old man know maybe that his dog's safe. But when they get there, like, it's dark in there. Cut to a little bit before. It's not how it happens in the movie, but now to give you guys context. The movie hops around everywhere. Um, the doctor had called in his nurse to come back because, well, the old man came in and it's a bit of an emergency. She comes in and when she goes to look over the patient, she's like, well, where is he? Because he's not there anymore. The doc's like, what? She's like, he's not here. And then she looks over into the corner and there's like this little goop. Which is like pulsating on the ground. And it's now, it's red because it ate the old man. And the old man became blood. Um, she kind of backs up into a, a corner. And the doc, and they're kind of like, 
huddled around a doorway. Which is a bit weird, because they're acting as if it's, like, ready to pounce on them or something. Which, technically, it did pounce onto the old man, but they don't know that context. Like, they don't know what this goo's gonna do. <laughs> like, but they're, they're acting as if they know it's just, like, getting ready to pounce on them. Um, he tells her to uh, grab a, a bottle of acid. And he, she does. And he's like, throw it. Like, you don't want to get any of it on your hands. Throw the bottle. And so she, like, takes the bottle and, like, goes to splash it. Which is not what he told her to do. And it, like, goes onto the, the goo, which now I guess we could call a blob. Because it's blobby now. Uh, and it, like, glows yellow for a bit. And then it goes to normal and... Then she starts panicking that nothing can, you know, destroy it. You guys tried one thing, and you're giving up. <laughs> the doctor says, hold on, I'll get my gun. Because I guess doctors in the 1950s just had guns in their office. To be fair, later in the movie we find out that firefighters just have guns as well. It's a crazy time, man. <laughs> It's not I mean, it's not too dissimilar from today, but still. So he goes off to get the gun. She panics because he he's leaving her alone. This is where the kind of 1950s uh, comes in because pretty much all of the women in the film are pretty hysterical. So like he goes to get the gun. He gets to the gun cabinet. Grabs the gun. She's panicking. He goes to get the bullets. And then she, like, trips over nothing into a lamp and knocks the lamp out. The lamp somehow causes a short throughout the entire, like, building. And so then the doctor is just kind of left to wonder what happened. He, he calls out to her, but nothing. She got gooed or blobbed. And so he shoots at the blob. It does nothing. So he retreats to his office. Closes, locks the door. And then he, he just kind of like... I think he goes to call someone. But then it cuts away. Um, that's when Steve and them... And uh, his girlfriend, I can't remember her name. Come by. And they go to see the lights are off. They don't try the door, or he like he like knocks or something, but I don't think he actually tries to open it. Then he goes to around the side to the window because he wants to check the garage. But the weird thing is, like, it looks like he was about to go into the like nearby woods. <laughs> but then he hears a noise, goes over to the window, and sees the dock being like consumed by the goo. He freaks out, goes back to the car. And, like, you know, is in a bit of a hysterical state himself. When she's trying to ask him what's going on, he's like, you don't want to know. But in this case, you know, she kind of should know. Like, he calms down enough to let her know what happened. Then they go to the police station, warn the cops. The cops don't believe him. But he, like, drags the cops to the doctor's office. In which they don't find anything. Like, they, they go in, they see, you know, 
it's a dark the lights won't come on so there's a blown fuse and there's a locked door that he says steve points out as like oh that's the room that he was in but it's locked they go to check the keyhole it's full so it's locked from the inside the key's still in the lock so they the one cop sends the other around the outside to break in and unlock the door while he then went and reset the fuse so while that happens they're just gonna pal about he gets the lights back on and they hear a sm the window smashing and they, like he gets oddly tense for some reason and then he unlocks the door like he does the thing that he was told to do but for some reason they were like on super high alert for some reason uh he opens the door he's like oh, look you look at this the room's a mess the one cop is assuming it's a prank the other better cop is assuming that you know, well he's not sure what to assume he, he's not quite sure so they go back to the police station call their parents the parents take them home and kind of try to get them to talk but not nothing they, they, they've already come to the decision that they want to sneak out and find the, the blob and so they do although probably besides you know my favorite part of the movie being the intro uh, <laughs> the kind of most impressive bit of the film is Steve McQueen he climbs out of the window onto a balcony hops over the railing of the balcony onto the roof then kind of hops down an area and then off onto a staircase and he like sticks the landing which if i was him i would have like caught the edge of a step and just slid down or something i, I would have failed hard on that so you know props and it's like probably the only big stunt in the film <laughs> is he climbs off of a roof he gets jump scared by his girlfriend who got impatient and came up to the house and they're just talking at full volume uh, you know stealth never heard of her then they like open the garage door but they actually try to be careful this time waiting for a passing car to come by to mask the noise and then they just like roll the car like they start the car rolling down the driveway hop into the car let it you know coast which i think was kind of cool uh but then they just like stop in front of the house <laughs> Where he's like, are you sure you want to go look for this thing that might kill us? And she's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I got nothing better to do. So they also then decide to go recruit the friends who decided to go... They decided to go recruit the friends who earlier stated that they were going to watch a midnight spook flick. At a really tiny movie theater. <laughs> But it looks like it's a small town, so fair enough. So, they go into the movies, try to get their friends out of the film, get yelled at by some old people, because, you know, they're interrupting this riveting film. Uh, they get their friends out and get them on board to have them go warn the people, check the things, you know, do all the stuff. Well, they just kind of come across the dog 
which had been like missing for a large portion of the film. Uh, so they find the dog in front of his dad's store. He kind of gets the idea that, oh, maybe the dog knows something. And it does. The blob is in the store. <laughs> they go in. Uh, he goes and trips over a broom because, like, the guy that was cleaning up got got by the blob. And he... He left his materials behind. Uh, the girlfriend sees the blob. Panics. Trips over nothing into uh, cans. I'm, I'm gonna assume soup. Trips, falls into the cans. Steve McQueen, or Steve. Steve, hearing her panic, hops on top of the shelving to, you know, spy what's going on. And he hops down to, to help her up. Because she's now, like, fainted. This is probably... It's like where the tension actually starts to properly build and whatnot, but her her damsel acting kind of kind of waned. And when she was sneaking out, she came across her brother. And boy, the the kid acting in the fifties not great. Oh boy, like that kid's acting is a bit rough. And then like he appears out of nowhere, like twenty minutes later too. It's weird. So. He escorts his girlfriend instead of out of the store into a meat fridge where they think they're safe. And she's, like, giving him starry eyes, like, as if he saved her, as if everything's perfect. Uh, but then he, well, you know, kind of trying to actually think about something, is, like, you know, pacing around. He notices at the bottom of the door the goo, the blob. It's oozing in. Uh, and he's like, oh no. <laughs> so, they move to the back of the freezer, and the blob is, like, slowly pulling itself in, but then it retreats. And she assumes, as she continually repeats, that, oh no, it's going after the little doggy. Oh no, it's going after the little doggy. A lot. Uh, <laughs> but he's like, oh, it, it shouldn't be too far. So he, they leave the freezer, get out, and then they book it out of the store and immediately run into their friends. And he's like, it's in the store. We need to, you know, call the cops. They call the cops, but the nice cop already went home. So they're left with the, you know, asshole cop who thinks it's a prank. So they're like, well, we have to take matters into our own hands. And they decide to wake up the town by everyone honking their horn and then they started an air raid siren and probably the funniest scene in the movie is an old man wakes up and he's like oh it's an air raid siren so he like hobbles over to his closet looking for his like military uniform because he's like you know war but then he hears a like a, a fire truck he's like a fire and he like pulls out he has two helmets, one for, like, an air raid guy, and then one for, like, a firefighter. He's like, I don't know what to wear. <laughs> I found that just, like, cute and sad at the same time. <laughs> it, it was it was very silly. 
but they succeed in waking up the town who get kind of irate with them um but they're trying to explain the situation that the blob is in the store but you know after the calm the cops kind of calm down the situation and send everyone home to stay at home the good cops who's now you know joined them because woken up by horns you know he calms the thing the situation down and he sends everyone home but he's treating it seriously but the mean cop you know goes off to you know help calm down the situation but we find out later that he decided to do a sweep of the store and he had turned on the lights and he said well there's nothing there but meanwhile at the movie theater there's a guy in the projector booth you know a projectionist just reading a book and for some reason he like gets up while reading the book and goes over next to the projector but i think it's because that beautiful piece of cinema that they were watching was just a bunch of people laughing on film like i, I have no clue what the hell they were watching but boy it was weird <laughs> But as the guy's watching this, the ooh, the <laughs> the blob is, you know, coming out of the vent, pushing it through and pushing out of the vent. And it grows and then, like, leaps onto the guy and eats him. Uh, then, you know, people in the movie theater are just like, what? As the projector is, like, knocked over and the goose is, like, pulsing in the window and then, like, pushes through the the view the little holes the projector holes uh so as they're cut back to the uh store they're trying to figure out like well, where did it go then they hear screams and he's like ah the movie theater they rush over to the movie theater a bunch of people rushing out the good cop goes into the movie theater and then comes back out and he's like oh man that's horrible <laughs> he's finally seen the blob uh then like i guess the blob was yeah the blob starts coming out of the movie theater there's a bunch of people like, like coming out of the diner running off running in all directions you know good old 50s panic during a monster crisis i guess uh <laughs> Then, then the girlfriend's, like, kid brother just, like, comes out of nowhere. Like, he, he literally, like, climbs out of a bush by the diner with a pop gun pretending to shoot the blob. Though we don't ever see the blob's reaction to this. We just see the kid come out and start, like, popping, popping off. Then he, like, takes the gun when he's out of ammo, just chucks it at the thing, and then he runs into the diner. The girlfriend runs after the kid. Uh, then Steve follows the girlfriend and she's like, we got to get out of here. And he's like, it's too late. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> then the blob exterior shot kind of cozies up to the diner. And then he's like, well, we're enveloped. <laughs> like, okay. And only like a couple minutes later, do we actually see the enveloping that he described? Uh, so he, the cops call into the store uh, to let him know, yeah, you're kind of covered. Try to get in, and we're going to try to shock it. You know, we, we don't know what else to do, so we're going to try to shock it. It should have enough juice to fry the thing. 
And they're like, yeah, that makes sense, sure. So they go into the cellar, leave the phone untethered, and, uh, you know, the blob starts oozing into, into the diner, and they time it, they wait a minute, and then they shoot the power lines, and it lands, and then they're like, it didn't work. <laughs> like, okay, sure, it, it didn't work, okay. So then the cops and everyone just kind of give up. <laughs> There's like, okay. But then Steve, like, they're like, sorry, they give up, and then one of the cops is like, the diner's on fire. And the firefighter's like, what should we do? And the cops is like, well, there's not enough oxygen in there to sustain the fire, so it'll put itself out. <laughs> so they're just standing around waiting. Meanwhile, inside the diner, uh, in the cellar, the cook, who's very irate, is trying to put out the fire. But then Steve notices something. So he takes the fire extinguisher and starts, you know, uh, spraying the blob. And he's like, ah, it doesn't like the cold. So we need we need more of the, the these. Do we have any more fire extinguishers? And the guy's like, no. So then he starts yelling up the stairs to the phone that's probably covered in a blob to, to get them to get CO2. CO2 is the thing. Uh, the cop eventually hears because they've been just kind of waiting on the line to see what happened. And so he, he they send out the town, send out all the teenagers to go to the high school, get fire extinguishers and random fire extinguishers from everywhere that they can. And then they start spraying it out to, you know, <laughs> cover it up and freeze it. Then one of the cops is like, I got Washington on the line. And the good cops talking with them. Saying, like, uh, we, we need, like, something. Something, like, one of your big transport things. We need to freeze it and then send it to, like, Antarctica or something. Or the Arctic. <laughs> and they're like, okay, sure. So, <laughs> they, they finish extinguishing the blob. They get out of the diner. And, you know, all is well. But, you know, it ends in the classic 1950s horror movie way of, but it can't die. <laughs> like, literally, Steve says, so it will remain frozen as long as the Arctic is cold. That's kind of the last line of the film. And it cuts to an image of the blob frozen by fire extinguisher, sure. And my, my, they somehow, they just completely skipped this, they somehow, one, had a place for a big carrier plane to land. Because they, they had one sent from Washington to wherever the hell this Midwest town is. They had somewhere to land it. They were able to transport and load it without it thawing. Somehow. Then... They were able to transport it to Antarctica without it thawing, somehow. And then they parachuted it into the Arctic. Now, 
you you actually get to see them parachute into the Arctic, and then like it says the end as it parachutes down and la- lands into the snow, and then the, the the end morphs into a question mark. And something that the thing that crossed my mind immediately was, yeah, but global warming will thaw that thing out. <laughs> so now I want a sequel. I want a sequel specifically to the fifties one. It's like 70 years later, the area where they dropped it is thawed. <laughs> the blob is free. A uh, quick editing note. Uh, sorry. I know my voice is the same, so it's going to sound the same regardless, but regardless, uh, <laughs> quick editing note. I, after recording the episode, did start looking up things because I want to look at some of the behind the scenes for the blob just to kind of see them actually doing it. Uh, but uh, I also came across that there there's a sequel. There actually is a sequel to the original blob called Beware the Blob. It came out in 1972. So, yeah, that's, that's a thing. <laughs> Supposedly the plot revolves around them, like, chipping off a bit of the original blob to study. And, of course, you know, things go wrong. So... Yeah, there there actually is a sequel. What I was referring to more uh, in this was like like a modern day sequel, many many decades later, and because of global warming. But but hey, you know, they they actually did a sequel. It's not quite what I imagined it, but I mean, they at least did one. Anyway, back to the rest of the episode. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, it's 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 silly. I like it, but there are problems, of course. So we'll go ahead and start with the positive because it's you know it's it's a fifties movie. I like the the blob. I like the look of the blob. It looks very gelatinous. It looks like if you stuck your hand in it, it might melt. So, I appreciate that. It looks good. It's like the right color. Like, and how it kind of gets a deeper and deeper red as it kind of eats more people. I like that. But, of course, you know, I've already talked about some character issues. So, we'll kind of leave those aside for now. Uh, but, like, the, the bad cop. I believe his name's Burns, which is kind of funny, because... Actually, I think his name is Frank Burns, which is funny, because that's the same as the uh, guy from M.A.S.H. The asshole guy from M.A.S.H. Although, different different uh, time periods. <laughs> like, the, the M.A.S.H. movie and subsequent TV series came like 20 years later. <laughs> But he he has a vendetta against teenagers because a teenager like blindsided his wife on a highway and like killed her. But he also has a feeling that the teenagers 
know of got wind of his war record and are now trying to test their boundaries with him which doesn't seem right <laughs> as the other two cops have pointed out it's like they're, they're teenagers like <laughs> at worst it's like a prank oh well like <laughs> they're not trying to get you but like he for some reason feels like the teenagers are out to get him then uh the doctor you know handles things well then dies um there's a, a housekeeper that comes in and just like unnecessarily complicates things so when they go to investigate the doctor's uh how office i guess uh and you know see that it's a mess they assume it's a break-in then this like old woman comes up and is just like so uh what happened he's not going to be happy i warned him that this was going to happen and pretty much just sends off a red herring saying that oh you know the doctor left he wasn't here uh to begin with uh and then she starts like trying to clean up a crime scene <laughs> and they're like no no stop that stop that stop it <laughs> we might want fingerprints and she's like, can I dust around the fingerprints? And they're like, tomorrow. Fuck off. So, after that, you know, she, like, doesn't appear again. But she was just there to kind of make things more complicated and throw doubt at Steve's story. Which, I mean, to be fair, the fact that they gave it any kind of credibility was nice. Like, the, f the fact that he went in and it was like, there's a monster... And the cop was like, eh, maybe. <laughs> it was it was nice. And there was, of course, the skepticism throughout. But, you know, they did at least, you know, humor him. More than some should. Or would. Uh, yeah, the design of the blob's great. Uh, there, there are some scenes where you can tell, like how they did it because i was sitting there i was like oh man like how do they do the blob in this scene and whatnot because like it pulses up and down and whatnot and i would kind of like to see a behind the scenes of how they did that that would be cool but there's other things where you're like yeah they just pushed like like a, a goo through a vent where they pushed it through this like cardboard diorama kind of thing or it's just a matte painting <laughs> like the diner's the final diner shot, like where you see the the blob fully envelop the diner. The the blob enveloping the diner is is just a matte painting. <laughs> Though you you do get to see like, you know, the blob seeping through the windows and whatnot, which is cool. Um Then the final frozen blob, like after they've taken all of the fire extinguishers in the town boy they're gonna have a hell of a time making sure that you know fires don't happen in the meantime but the final frozen blob is there and it's also a matte painting it's a nice matte painting but it's just a matte painting uh, <laughs> uh the rock was kind of cool but other than that yeah it's a nice campy fun time so if, you, if you're looking for a a very camp movie to watch. Just go in knowing 
it's very 1950s, like very 1950s. So just keep that in mind. It's not for everyone nowadays, that's for sure. But it's mostly harmless. If you, if you're fine with some, you know, fainting women that are really annoying, then you you'll be fine. Uh, other than that, yeah, I give it a big thumbs up. Uh, it did. I I will also say it did take me uh, two two sessions to actually watch the film. Because uh, the beginning is a little slow. And knowing that, like, they'll go to the cops, the cops won't believe them, you know, knowing the cycle is kind of disheartening. So I, I kind of put it on pause and came back to it later. So I came back to it today since I was doing my recording session and watched it to record this. <laughs> but yeah. And I would recommend it. I'm very curious now, because while I was getting um, the clip for the beginning of this episode, uh, I came across some clips from the 1980s film. Now, I know that people were very upset with the 1980s film. And after watching the clip, the clip I watched was called Sewer Death, or The Death in the Sewer, um, and it has, like, this big, like, the blob is, like, huge already in that scene. And, like, there, there's a lot that I would talk about if I, I, I just need to find a place to watch it. So I, I need to, like, see if it's available on some Netflix somewhere or something. And I also need to see if maybe I can find it on DVD or something. Because I like kitsch movies. Uh, but... Already, I can tell that some of some of the part of what's wrong with it is the blob itself. I'm not a fan of the blob itself in the '80s one already, because from what I've seen, it has like tentacles, and like like I can see what they were trying to do with like some like interesting like doing different things with the blob instead of it just being like a, a ball that like just sticks to stuff. But that's kind of what you expect from a blob. You don't expect it to have structure. You expect it to be, like, circular. <laughs> you don't expect it to be able to, like, have limbs and whatnot. So they made it kind of chewing gummy. And also, the color is a lot lighter. So it definitely looks like chewed up bubble gum. So that's not, that's not great. But that's for another time. It's another time. Uh, next week, as I said, Halloween, October the 31st, we will be discussing The Thing from Another World and The Thing. So, in case you weren't entirely aware, The Thing from Another World is the original film. But, of course, the true original is a, a book... Yeah. They're both based off of a short novella that's only 196 pages called Who Goes There? So I, I do want to read that at some point and I'll probably do a video down the line kind of talking about the book and all three of the things. Like 
including probably the 2011 one, because by then I'll probably have uh, done a video, uh, done an episode on the 2011 one. I'm excluding the 2011 one because it's not a standalone film. It is a direct prequel to the 80s film. So that's the only reason I'm excluding it from this episode coming up. Because these two films, at least technically on their own, are standalone. And they are both covering the same material. They're both technically supposed to be the same movie and i think it's just going to be fun to talk about it so that's going to be a a fun episode for next week Uh, the week after that i do not know yet it'll probably be around the world in 80 days the book because i need to read it (laughs) for the first um i don't know couple of months of this podcast there's going to be a bit of Jules Verne because I need to read those books for a different project of mine uh so (laughs) Verne's going to be sprinkled throughout here it gives me double incentive to read them anyway all that aside thank you guys so much for listening if you guys like this please feel free to check out my other things definitely subscribe to the podcast share it with your friends if you think that they'll be interested by some guy's random ramblings about movies from the 50s and movies from every other age because i'm covering everything i can (laughs) I, i think i've started out with a decent variety so far so hopefully hopefully it keeps being spicy We'll have a nice backlog of stuff for people to listen to by the time the challenge starts. I'm going to keep teasing that every once in a while. It's not starting until April. And I'll announce it probably sometime before then of what it actually is. (laughs) But in the meantime, more stuff. More stuff. More stuff. Video games, movies, TV shows, maybe. I'll, I'll try to squeeze in at least a TV show uh, in between now and then. It's going to be so hard to do. <laughs> but regardless, we're moving on. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening. I will talk to you guys later. Goodbye.